podcast for men and women to learn about what it truly means to be a father. You'll hear men talk about the challenges, joys, triumphs, and the heartaches they've faced, and what lessons they've learned along the way. I hope this is an incredible resource, as I wish I had it during fatherhood. It's an honest and real look into this incredible passage of life. Hopefully, by listening, you'll learn, resonate, and identify with people's journeys. I'll be talking to new dads, as well as those who have grown up kids, plus everything in between. A regular guest on my podcast, Richard is a father of two boys, aged 8 and 14. He shares his journey of becoming a father, having to deal with not experiencing the birth he and his partner had anticipated, but then feeling the total euphoria of becoming a dad, embracing fatherhood and being very hands-on. The different parenting styles they adopted are attachment parenting and aware parenting. He talks candidly about his father, how he didn't fully understand him until the end of his life and coming to terms with that. There was an important realisation in the conversation which was great for Richard about his father. How to deal with connecting to one child more than the other. How tough it is to be a dad. And a really useful piece of advice to help you deal with the challenges. I truly hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did. So welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Good to be back. This is the third time we've done it? Third, yeah. The third pod. I'm like a veteran. I'm like a regular. <laughs> regular guest. Mu- you must be a good guest. I'm a co-host, practically. Yeah, you are. <laughs> and, of course, no one can see where we are right now, which is unusual for us to do a podcast where we are. But we are in this incredible setting. Your back garden. My back but garden. But it's like no other back garden. No, I know. Isn't it nice? Spills onto the, the, the sand dunes couple of hundred two or three hundred meters from the ocean we can see the ocean from where we're sitting we're talking today about being a dad which you are the father of two boys mm-hmm. why did you want to be a dad <laughs> well great I, question it's a big one isn't it it's a big one i like you know well me. the I most like honest question. the most honest answer is that I just thought it was an inevitability. It's what you do. I think I really feel like people that do not want to be parents, they're pretty definitive about it and they've made a real decision about it. And I think people who want to be parents, there's a multitude of layers and reasons why. And then, and a lot of the time, I don't think they even think about it beyond, yeah, yeah, it's something I'm going to do. And, I, you know, I'll give it a go or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, and I think I'm in that category of just, you know. And Nemi, who is the mother of my children, I think for her it was a much more focused, targeted thing to to want to make happen, you know. And in in a bit of a cliched way, I was like the partner that was, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it, yeah, let's do it, you know. But you look back at it now, though. Do you Did you discuss having children... It's when funny. you That's a got good married? I'll tell you a very funny answer to that question is that in a very freaky, funny way, we discussed having children together. And to on give, the ver- give, so interrupting you, but to give people perspective because they don't know you. Yeah. So how old were you when you met? When we got Nanny? together, I was t- 28. And you'd had partners before? She, was, she's, she wasn't she's, the first one? You'd, you know what I mean? You, you'd, yeah. You'd, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'd both. Give some kind of oh yeah, we'd both background. had we'd both had previous partners and everything. Yep. Yeah, I was twenty eight. She was 
nearly 30. But the answer to your question is a funny one, which is that we actually discussed having kids within three hours of getting together on the first night we ever really got together and declared feelings and we had the funniest night of smoking nervous and nervous nervous cigarettes you know we smoked a heap and we were drinking scotch and neither of us were scotch drinkers and it's ridiculous but in her flat this was anyway and then really i'm serious that that night later that night in bed literally don't know which one of us but we both kind of agreed that yeah we're gonna have kids which is insane because we'd been together for three hours or something so that said a lot i think in a way and and, and then it wasn't, but then it wasn't so talked about or planned for many years after that until, until I suppose for Nemi it became more of a biological clock thing and um, then it was on the agenda, you know. There was any part of you having a, a conversation in your own head with, do I want to have as a, kids? As a, what, as a 20-something? 20-something. Were you thinking, oh, yeah, I want to have know, kids? I don't know, yeah. Funnily enough, I, I reckon that I might have been more likely to have those thoughts much younger. Like as a kid even, you know, maybe as a 13-year-old or in quiet moments, you know, thinking about the future and a future life. And um, that's where I might have even role-played or fantasized about having kids. And that might have happened then, you know. What I mean? But no, as a 20-year-old or 20-something-year-old, whatever, I, don't, I really don't think that that was in the... And there was no or you've, th- or thoughts. You've never you've answered this already, really. But there's no there was no peer pressure of any kind, or being talked about because your peers were with people, and then saying, "Oh, you know, my girlfriend, partner, whatever, she wants to have kids," and or was that kind of conversation going on or not? Well, look, I mean, I was definitely late to the party in terms of compared to most of my friends in terms of partnering up and whatever. And that's why a lot of my close oldest sort of close friends you know they've all got kids that are a lot older than my kids and because they all got onto it earlier but i don't know no, i think the conversation you're talking about wasn't so much about having kids it was more about oh we you know when will you get a partner when will, and you know when will i get a partner and be in that that world as opposed to this solo world yes but not not so much the kid the kid thing and did you feel any kind of pressure that society had put on you, that you mm. felt it was your right or you were supposed to yeah. get married or be in a relationship, have children. If you can remember I that don't, I don't think I felt pressure. No, I just felt lonely. <laughs> not pressure. Because <laughs> there, was, there was some long stints for me. I was not the most busy, active human being. I, di- I didn't have a, just some endless role of, you know, relationships before the big, big relationship that I'm in now. I didn't, it wasn't just this endless excess of, I, I was, you know, there was, there was a bit of, there was a partner here and there. And on the whole though, I was, I was actually alone quite a lot. So. And if you look back at your relationship with your father then, mm. did you, did you look at him and go, wow, he was a great dad mm. or he was this or that, whatever he was, which yep. we'll come on to talk about, but where you went, oh my God, yeah, you know what? I'd want to be like him. <laughs> or or, was or it, not like him. Or was it more the Cats in the Cradle song, which is... Yes, true. You know, I'm going to be like him. <laughs> and his dad certainly was not very present. Yes. Okay, that's an interesting one. 
Look, again, I don't think I was looking at my dad and analysing how that would then play out as me as a dad and would I want to be like him or not like him. I don't really think I thought like that. But I definitely definitely judged and analysed him as a dad as I was... Do you know what I mean? But no, I didn't go to that next step and think about me as a dad. Interesting. Only until only when I really became a dad, I think, would there be definitely very quickly there were comparisons, and you know, then I could see qualities and traits in myself that were similar to my dad, which either bothered me or or there were some positive ones that I was you know happy to happy to notice. Not not, uh, not, not when okay. I was not when I was a son, and not and when I was not a dad myself. And when you decided to have children, who, how was that decided? Like I said, you know, early on we, we, we were committed that we would have kids one day, but then... But, we, but when, I suppose, maybe not... No, but that was early on, like I said, really early on. Yeah. But then, like I said before, we, it wasn't really then thought or talked... certainly wasn't talked about much until, like I said, there was a biological clock issue for yeah, Emmy. She was getting older, yeah. a bit older. And then it was more like, okay, we need to really proactively think about this and take the steps you know and then when you and when you were then consciously trying to have a kid whatever mm. then would you remember now looking back on that what you were thinking um, were you were you afraid or how am I going to be as a dad or what's this going to look like or not you know I got to really think back I mean I don't think I was afraid I might have been a bit there might have been some feelings here and there, you know, where, especially when we made the really conscious decision that this is going to happen and we're going to try and do this, then I, th- I think there were probably thoughts, I'm trying to remember, there were probably thoughts of, uh, is this going to be full on and, you know, is my life going to change too much, too extreme, in an extreme way? That Yeah, there was those kind of thoughts, you know, I think pretty normal thoughts. But no, nothing extreme. I don't think I was freaked out or afraid. I, I just sort of thought, okay, this is the next step in this journey and let's, you know, we'll see what happens. Nemi falls pregnant. You have your first child. All goes as planned? No. There was trauma there. There was trauma with the birth. And what came up for you in that? Did anything come up? Or was it just an experience you dealt with? Nah. Or did anything about your childhood or your or the dad bit or the... Look, what happened, what, succinct, a succinct version of what, what was traumatic about the birth was that we had a very idealised romantic notion of what the birth should have been. It was going to be a home birth. It was going to be a water birth. We had, we'd hired a... Oh, sorry, actually we'd bought... You know, inflatable birth pool, and it was all we were all ready to go, and and nothing went to plan, and it cascaded into a, a, a full-on hospital birth and, not, and a non-vaginal birth. So it was Caesar. Neither of us were prepared for the for the fact that well for for that trajectory of you know of this is you you're not going to get you're just going to get the opposite of what you wanted in terms of the how the birth would go. Of course, we both. Also, at the same time, thought, look, we've got a healthy child out of it, and that's that is the most important thing. And we need to, you know, move on, and get over those the expectations of how the birth itself could have been, and we need to move on and whatever. That in itself was a massive lesson in, you know, expectations and 
the way you want things to go, but you know the universe is going to throw you something else, and you got to deal with it. And but very interestingly, the birth, the minute that baby arrived, I had a very classic. It, it doesn't happen to all men, but I had the textbook reaction of just absolute euphoria. Loved it. I was tripping out on happy, happy, trippy vibes. And Nemi was not in that space. She'd had, you know, she was, she'd had a very long, difficult labor. So she was not in a brilliant headspace in that, in that immediate time after, after the birth. And I was in this elation thing, which was very weird to be, we were very far apart in that, in that regard. I mean, it didn't. It didn't cause issues, you know. We both. We was. You know, I was. Support. It didn't dampen your mood. Given no, no, no. I mean, I. I just, you recognised. No, I was very. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, I. I understood where she was coming from as much as I can. Even though, you know, I'm a guy in a guy's body, and I didn't. You know, I can't really fully understand what she went through. But I. But I was very tapped into the fact that she was. You know, not in a good way for you know on, on a few on a few levels, and I. I accepted that and tried to be supportive, and but at the same simultaneously, as I said, I was going through this very elated, uh, real a huge high I was on, and I remember that in the in those two or three nights that she was still stayed in, she still was in hospital for two or three nights, I think, after the birth, I literally was in my car visiting friends and just I was like a psychotic. I was like just blurting out the story and how it played out and I was very I was quite manic I think for in that period and also I was on very little sleep and I, you know I was a bit I was a bit nuts but I was on this euphoric high so that was in a way a good you know it's quite a, a really nice introduction to you know if 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 the beginning of your fatherhood is is the birth and then what follows then that beginning for me was a really positive fun time in a way, apart from the fact that I was, you know, also weary of of Nemi not being in a great space, but we and got through that. She got through that. And the euphoria was just, oh my god, I'm a dad. Oh, this is incredible. There's, yeah. there's this human being here yeah. that I've created. It's there in front of me. Or, yeah. I, or was I, it not even? Can you can you remember? I can remember, but it's not that easy to articulate because it is all those things you just said, but they but they're very obvious. Yeah. And then there's another level I can't actually explain, which is just, I was just looking at this little creature thinking, wow, you know, like, it was really exciting, you know. Thank God I had that reaction, because I know that there's some very different reactions you can have, which is, oh my God, what is this thing? I always think of a razorhead, which, you know, the early David Lynch film, which is, which people don't quite realise unless they really think about it, but it's a, it is a meditation on 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 being a father and he's you know he's somehow given birth uh, or he's somehow produced this mutant being and but really it's about the these domestic issues of having this little baby that's completely dependent on you and and it's a nightmare scenario whatever so you know and you've got you definitely i always thought of that in terms of the worst scenario where you're just freaking out. You don't know if you can handle it. You don't know. You can't relate to this little creature, this being. But uh, yeah, I thank God I didn't have that. I had quite the opposite. And I do remember really early on. You know, we 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 talk, we'd had 
a lot of conversations how we were going to parent and we chose this particular philosophy of parenting which approach which was attachment parenting which is you know you really are physically close to the you're always carrying the child in the early stages and so I was and I loved the philosophy I thought it made sense and I remember but I remember the I think the first night that Nemi and and the baby were back at home in bed I remember and he was in the bed with us because that was the part of the attachment parenting way and I remember waking up at three in the morning going having this thought oh my god I've the baby's dead I've squashed I've squashed it or and I, and I really and but I he no no that's right I got up went to the toilet and I didn't have those thoughts until I'm in, I'm on the toilet having a wee or whatever and I'm th- and that's when this dark thought came to my mind which was oh my god I've got to check I've just got to check is the baby alive like I just thought for some reason there's a really distinct possibility this baby is dead. So, yeah, that was a real cliche in a way, like a, I don't know, one of those scares that are, I think when I look back it's a natural thing to happen and it's it's there to, to scare you into being extra, you know, even more aware and more responsible and more whatever. So And there was nothing wrong, of course. I went back to the bed and put my ear to his little face and whatever and he was breathing and fine. But I do remember that as a very frightening uh, freak out that I freaked myself out with. And did you have, picking up on that as a theme, were there other moments which would be understandable for any new dad yeah. to be going to be freaking out? Do you, can you other remember moments? Other, yeah, like the earliest were you just going, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing here. What the hell? I mean, how did you know what to do? Uh, how, who led you? to a path of understanding of, well, this is what you do. Were you just told what to do? That was a mixture of intuition and, yeah, you know, I mean, in the, in the first three days in the hospital, there were midwives and nurses that obviously told us a lot of the, showed us a lot of the basics about the bathing of the baby and the nappy changing. And, you know, so we learned those basic skills just from, from people like that. And then, no, but yeah, I suppose the rest of it was experimentation you know like yeah just faking it really interestingly did you go to other people when you you just said faking it but did you talk to other people about their experience or not much I don't I think you know no not really I mean there was the odd technical question about what do you do with this and that and what do you know what I mean like which sometimes we would have gone to Nemi's mum for that info or, or, or I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't remember feeling like, oh my God, how do we do this? How do we do that? A lot of it's really was quite intuitive and, and we were part, you know, we were kind of proud that we were forging ahead with this attachment parenting approach, which we felt, which we'd read about. So there, there, there were, there were, you know, spelled out, um, instructions maybe if you like you know that, that said oh, this is how you do attachment parenting and we were and we were following that okay so as he so as he grow, is is growing and whatever mm. how what what kind of dad were you what 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 what's what, what would you if you look back on that yeah what well was that period like well as a direct result of this attachment parenting approach and the fact that combined with the fact that i was really happy to be a, an involved dad Apart from the very early period 
for quite a few months where you know Nemi was breastfeeding so she was obviously physically with with the baby more than me but when that period started to end that really intense first few months when that was over I we both had a chat about you know being pretty much 50 50 with raising this this person and being with this little thing (laughs) I was really very genuinely wanting that so I was an involved very involved dad you know and I can say I I love that I was you know I love looking back on it and I was the same with our next kid too and and you know it's funny going back to Cats in the Cradle that song I I actually think that song scared the shit out of me because it was actually a song that I loved as a kid I loved the you know it was a very powerful message and it's such a classic story and it's told so well and it's it's one of those songs that really got under my skin, I think, as a kid. I always loved it. And it was an, emotion, an emotional song. And in some ways, as I'm saying, thinking now, I reckon, I reckon it was a, it was more than just a song that I liked. It was a bit of a, a warning, you know, don't do this. Be, just don't be that kind of dad. And uh, I certainly was not that kind of dad. And to, okay, explain what you mean by that kind of. Well, dad. I mean, I well that kind of the dad in that song is is a neglectful dad who's never around, who's more in, involved in their work and their career, and the son, sadly, turns out to repeat history, other rather than turn it around and you know and be the opposite, he grows up and it's like a and that's the little twist at the end of the song, which is. And the song is sung from the actual, from the dad's perspective. And the very last line, which resonates for everyone, is, you know, my boy was just like me, which means the bad shit, the bad qualities. Yeah. My son took them and ran with them. And, yeah. So it's a really powerful song and um, message. So, yeah, I was the opposite. I was very involved. I, you know, I, car- I, I would sit working on my computer and he would be on me physically and, you know, in one of those hug-a-bub kind of... Yeah, so I would... A common scenario was me sitting at the computer working and he would be in this kind of baby carrier kind of thing, whether it was the baby Bjorn or the or the Hugabub or those kind of carriers, which keep the, the kid, the baby close to you. And, and I loved that. It was cool. And To what point, how old was your first son where you started to, to go back to look at how you were brought up and then to look at your dad? Yeah, that where, happened pretty early. I reckon that was... Uh, Maybe when he was three or four or something. Not but so okay, not before then. Obviously, you just no. And then okay, so what was what were you? What was your dad? Were you? Were you? Yeah. What was your dad like then? What was? What was? How did well, he father da- you? I mean, obviously was, differently, but different generation. He was pretty distant. He, he was loving, but pretty distant. You know, not to the point where, the you know, not the character in that song that I keep bringing up. He wasn't that distant. Look, he was traditionally, you know, he was the the classic dad that went off to work so in my very early years you know but before I'm in kinder or school or anything I suppose I remember being with my mum you know going to shops with my mum hanging out at home with my mum I do remember that that period I mean not before three or anything I think my earliest memories might be three or something like that and my dad was a more distant character you know in my life but there was affection you know I've got I do have nice memories of I often remember this, this thing of, that I would do with him when he would do with me, playing with his hands and his fingers a lot. And I, I, mean, I just remember doing that a lot. So there was affection, 
Was he a positive role model? Yes and no. But that's to, that's a complicated one because it was all about my perception of him. You know, I think for for a very long time, my perception of him was that he was not a fulfilled person, uh, not a driven person, and his his unfulfilled his unfulfillment, if that's a word, was was a direct result of him not being driven enough. And I thought that was a frustrating kind of picture that I'd painted of him. You know, like this, who is this guy? I don't want to be like that. But yeah, and that's how I saw him for many years. But it actually changed as I really did get to know him better, which was much later. Like in my late teens and twenties, a bit. I remember having chats with him, getting to know him a bit better, seeing him in a different light, a bit not not a full turnaround really, but but starting to shift. But then in my tw- in my twenties. I then think I was a bit distant from him again. And then funnily enough, in the last few years before he died, he when he died, I was early 30s. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the year or two before that, before he le- before he died, there was a real shift because I just was, I did spend good quality time with him and went for walks and just, not all the time. It was still a bit sporadic, but, but no, there were much better chats. There was, a, I related to him on a different level and, I started seeing him very differently so that when he died and and then when he died, I had a really, that, that shift was even more enhanced because we started getting all these letters from people, eulogy kind of letters, you know, tribute letters from overseas, like a couple of my cousins from overseas who had these, this incredible perception of who he was as a man and how that. And so what would you, did you, what did you take from him as his, him being a dad for you? me being a dad yeah I think on a positive note there was a tenderness that he had that I've that I reckon I've got which I think I've got from him you know an affectionate way and I'm and look I'm much more affectionate with my kids than my dad was but he but he was like I said to you there were affectionate moments so I've taken that and 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 whatever exaggerated it in a good way there's some negatives for sure. You know, he uh, sometimes I'm a bit too controlling or judgy. Yeah, I, sometimes I won't believe what I've been told and I'll double check and triple check and my dad was like that. It's a really fucking annoying trait and sadly I have inherited that. What did you love about him? Well, he did have a good sense of humour. And I think it took, like I said, it really did take me a while to, to realise that he had a good sense of humour. I didn't experience his sense of humour till. Till I was in my late teens, I think. Um, and I remember a really particular... This is a very specific thing where... I, got, I was actually kind of surprised when he said this to me. We were walking near, near his house where they lived, where I grew up, part of my life I grew up there. We were walking and there was a big car... It was right near a town hall and there was a car park that we were walking through and there was a couple of four-wheel drives with mothers in them and I think they were they were picking up kids from this little daycare centre that was there around there. My dad made this really disparaging comment about it. He goes, those bloody mothers in their four-wheel drives. And it was so funny. I just thought, I never knew you had a thought like that. Like, 
it was that kind of, you know, it was like walking with a, a mate who was whinging about something. You know, it wasn't something that I thought was in his thinking or, and it was kind of a bit, it was, you know, it was him being annoyed and impatient and judgmental and, and I loved hearing it because I thought, oh, that's something I didn't know about you really. Makes you a bit more human in a good way. So I had a real laugh with him about it because I just was like, I really remember that. It was a funny particular memory. But what did I love about him generally? You know, look, I loved I loved him in that he was, even though there was something distant about him, he was an extremely committed partner to my mum. Very committed parent in terms of working hard and providing, you know, a good life for all of us, for me and my sisters. Look, I, you know, generally at the core of what I loved about him was that he was a good, decent human being, a really good person, you know, quite sensitive, but very private in his sensitiveness, if you know what I mean. Like you could tell he was sensitive, but in the moments where he was sensitive, you, he would actually retreat and move away, you know, because for whatever reason, he was quite private. But if something really if it bothered him, he definitely, you could see it. Yeah, I loved that about him. But yeah, his humour was good. Yeah, I remember a few few good laughs, for sure. And what did you, okay, so what, did, what didn't he give you that you needed? So you then went, okay, well, I'm going oh yeah. to not do that. I, that hurts me. That's, that affected you, that. Uh, well, as I said earlier, I touched on it, you know, he for a long time projected his own failed ambitions onto me and I definitely made a note of that, that I, I'm not doing that. I'm going to let my kids do whatever they want to be unless unless they choose to be heroin dealers and I'll probably have a word with them about that. <laughs> but, do you know what I mean? I'm really not going to step that line because I know what it felt like, you know. Having said that, look, there was a, a really nice moment, two moments in my life with my dad where he verbally just expressed, you know, look, I, I understand who you are now and I'm not going to fuck with that. Do you know what I mean? And that, that the first time it happened was I'd made a short film. It was like a graduate film at, at RMIT, this media studies course there. And in, in the third final year, you, you did a major project. And my major project was a very personal kind of film essay about a very major episode in my life when I was 19 uh, where I had a drug-induced psychosis and I'd been hospitalised and I got through it, thank God, and I got over it. And But I made a film about it. I made a really condensed 10-minute film that was a full-on little, powerful little film, if I may say so. And so one when it was finished, I had a little screening for my family, which was just for my parents and my sisters and and we just and we watched it at my sister's house. I remember, and very amazing moment at the end of the film where my dad just said, "I can't remember his exact words, but he's to the to the tune of, uh, I get it. You know, you, you've got talent. You you can tell us. You know, you this is your path." And he really at that moment, any projecting of you know of his own ambitions were gone. And he that was a really major night that night. And he did it again years later, not long before he died, actually. We were driving around and he was asking me about how, how 
my business was going, the business that I set up with Nemi, a production, you know, film production company. And at the time we had a job on, quite a good job, and there was another one coming up and it was happened to be a good moment in our in our uh, business trajectory because God knows there were other many other times where we didn't have a lot of work. But it was a good good timing and he was asking about it. And I was telling him about all his work and what it was. And, and he that was another moment where he just said, you know, I feel good, I feel confident you're going to be okay and... And that was that meant a lot too because we're talking about a, a you know a Holocaust survivor who you know was generally a worrying a warrior a worrying type. So that was also a really important moment. And like I said, it, it happened not long before he died. But that reminds me of another thing in terms of his my, his trajectory and my perception of him was that. I did see him as this very worried, cautious, even I would say even pessimistic guy. But he just didn't. But he just changed. Like and I might have been exaggerating that. I might have not. He might not have been as negative as I thought he was. But but he certainly was not like that. In the last ten years or so, when he was retired and spent most of his time relaxing and reading and chilling you know really chilling and hanging out at that library that I told you about and going on little holidays with my mum you know a good a good last 10 years of just good resign what's the word um retired life you know yeah no he wasn't negative at all he was a very different person and which is all good because my in the end when he when he died and he did die suddenly he was and he wasn't too old he was 77 which is not that old but there was nothing unresolved between us like i said that convo that we'd had in in the car that day where he'd said i'm not worried about you i feel like you're on the right path and you've got work and you're doing something you love for your work and it's great so you know what i mean that that really set the tone for this very everything was fine between us I'm very grateful for that. And I th- I'm sure that'll be the case. There's no way. I mean, it'll definitely be the case for me and my kids because I'm way more involved in their emotions, way more. So I can't see there being any problems, you know. When I depart the earth, I don't think I'll leave any scars or <laughs> I hope not. Anything too unresolved, really. Having said that, there's plenty I can work on as yeah. a dad. Like I'm, yeah. I am sometimes a bit distant, even though I'm try to be as involved as I can, and I am pretty hands-on. But at the same time, I'm also distracted because I'm trying to balance ten other spheres of my life besides being a parent. And you know, and I'll get, I'll get Archie, my uh, my elder son. He'll call me on it sometimes. He'll either tell Nemi about it, and she'll tell me, or sometimes he'll tell me directly, and. And I'll be like, yeah, okay. And I'll, you know, I won't be defensive. I'll acknowledge, maybe I'm a little bit defensive, <laughs> but I'll mostly acknowledge what he's saying and I and I say I'll try harder. And, and where does that come from, do you think? What? That distance, where you can oh, be I too think distant. that's, look, I think it's a bit of what I said, you know, a lot of what I said already, the, the trying to balance so many other things yeah. and it's so hard to slow it all down and... Just be a totally hundred percent present parent. I don't know. I don't know who's who manages to do that. It's very hard. Yeah, it's mainly that. 
And would you say that's the toughest thing about being a dad? Is being present? Because yeah, you have I to think deal so. With all that other stuff. Yeah, I think so. It is, and I, I would like to, you know, look, you know, we lately the, la- the the most recent chapter of our life is is has been pretty good in that department because you know, in terms of more quality time, because we've moved somewhere more remote, out of the city, lots of walks, and you know, and there'll be. Um, how it's played out is that I will go for, I'll spend time with one of them at a time, you know, sometimes both, but one at a time is great because there's, there's going to be a more uh, authentic bonding. And so there's been a lot of that. So that's been a really nice recent, uh, development. And so you've just said it then you've got two boys. Yeah. Do you connect with one better than the other? I think so. Like, how do you process the fact that there's one that you connect with more than the other? Do you kind of go, oh, I feel bad because I don't connect with the other one the same um, way as that, or you don't? I don't feel bad, but I feel there's work to be done, you know. I just feel like the one that, that, that is harder work to connect with, I've got to, I've got to work on something in myself. And do you know what that is? Uh, I think, look, I think the, the things that I need to work on that, that in myself that, that, you know, that cause this more difficult way, difficult connection or more challenging connection. The things in myself, it's hard to explain. I think they're about me letting go. They must be about me letting go certain expectations of him or of, or of us as a, and what our dynamic is. It's definitely that that's one big part expectations, letting go of those because they're not, they're not healthy. They're not, they're never healthy. I mean, and that goes right back to his birth, actually, you know, which is really interesting, cycling back right back to that, which is, uh, you know, with the expectation of a, of a home birth and in a water fucking pool and romantic and organic and, <laughs> you know, it was shattered, you know. It was like, no, nah, you got to deal with, this is a, you know, that was a really classic lesson of expectations are very dangerous things. But how does okay? So how does that play out? Your issues with him and the way you are with him in terms of the parenting bit. Do you really struggle with to be with him because he's just, or because you've got this other son who you connect with much better, and it's like, oh, do you find do you find yourself almost going to the? This is the wrong way to describe. I can't yeah. remember the easier option, the better option, mm-hmm. the the more you rewarding option, where you get. Well, I wouldn't say more rewarding because the reality is, as you say, as you ask that, the reality is that you know when things are connecting really nicely between me and and my elder son. What was the word you used? Rewarding. Yeah. Oh, that's really rewarding when we when we really do click and connect. Yeah. It's more rewarding than than the other. Yeah. Because with my younger boy, it's just consistent, you know, we, I, I, we get along and he's easy and it's, it's all good. So, but, but it's like a flat line, you know, Yes. a good one, but it's a flat line and it doesn't necessarily have many extreme peaks or dips or whatever. So with, with the older one, it's more, um, when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's, it's war. It's pretty bad. And, and what do you do? How do you, in those moments when it's really bad, yeah. where do you go to in your head? Yeah, how do you, how do you where process do I that? Go? Where do I? 
Look, I try to... It's a real battle. It's like an internal battle. Where, where I go is I become a child myself. I am consciously aware that I'm actually reacting in a childish way. Completely aware, but it doesn't matter. The child has fully taken over and it's saying to the adult version, I know you know. <laughs> I know that you know that, I, that I'm the child and I've taken... But fucking, what are you going to do about it? I'm, I'm now in charge for the next 10 to 15 minutes... I am going to be in control and I'm the, I'm the child and there's not much you can do about it unless you have extremely good you know, willpower and you can overcome me. And sometimes I do overcome the, the inner child really? quicker, sometimes quicker than... So that varies, you know, how I react to that. But, but that's definitely what happens. Like I, I, and I'm improving. I'm definitely improving. I think that the really extreme clashes that we have are... Uh, really dissipating Le- there's less and less of them thank god and and is there a trigger what's it is there a consistent trigger i mean obviously mm. there are different things that happen at different times yeah. but is there one thing where that happens you go right okay <sighs> oh my god before you realize you're in it they've changed a bit i mean I, I remember when the trigger the psychology of the trigger was often um you know you don't appreciate how much i do for you how dare you i, I that was a dialogue that would trigger that would be in the trigger, you know, inbuilt into the trigger. That's gone. I've actually outgrown that and seen how stupid that is or how not helpful it is. I don't know. The trigger is often a pretty basic thing of, uh, you're not listening to me. You're not doing what I'm asking you to do. And I'm the parent and you should be listening to me. And, you know, it's very basic. It's a, it's quite primal. And even when I have those thoughts, there is another part of me thinking, this isn't good. Like, it's not a healthy way. But it's there's some traditional element in there of, I am the parent, you are the kid. You know, I'm willing to have, there can be some leeway here, but right now, in this moment, whatever, I am, there's no leeway. Like, you got to, you know what I mean? And they're, that's, they're the clashes. I think that's just what it is for every parent and kid, really. That, that's the essence of those, those moments of, of a clash. I think I think that's what it's all about. But yeah, obviously there's psychological baggage attached, and that makes it that will veer off into different tangents. And obviously, you know, the reactions will be the level, the depth of the reaction. You know, will really vary. I think depending on the baggage. But like I said, my baggage with my dad, for example, it's not bad. It's not it's not heavy baggage. So on the whole, I don't think I'm bringing... Uh, look, maybe I'm just unaware. Maybe I am bringing stuff from my relationship with my dad, but I don't know. I don't, it doesn't... I can't really see that as a major thing. I think it's just more about my own journey with as a dad. and, and I, I don't know. Look, in 10 years, I could have the same chat with you and have a very different yes. understanding. I might be a bit wiser about maybe there's things I ever didn't really see or... And did, how do you cope with having a different parenting style to your partner? Or she has a different parenting style to you? It's not vastly different. So, it, yeah, I mean, it's... Did you, but did yeah. you ever say, right, this is how we're going to parent? Yeah. You, so you sat well, down and sort of agreed on a way, so it's not like you're... 
far apart and all of a sudden she's doing something that you didn't No, we're very to. No, we're okay. on a very similar page. Yeah. And look, it goes back to what I already told you all about, you know, the, the, in the early days, the attachment parenting. Yep. That attachment parenting has some very, uh, what do you say, some obvious... Well, it's 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 got follow-ons, you know, like oh, as the kid gets mean. older, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there are the things, things, there are things you do as a parent that, and maybe other philosophies that really match a continuum, a continuation of what what the attachment parenting is about. So, another parenting style that's it's got a label. We've seen the woman who sort of runs courses in it and has consultations with you uh, is called aware parenting. Aware. That's it. Aware parenting. So it's, and to me, it's just an absolute logical extension of attachment. You've got attachment when they're little, and then you've got aware parenting when they're older. And aware parenting, you know, I'm not going to go into the details of it, but it's, well, the core of it is not just the obviousness of being, you know, in touch and aware with your kid and their feelings. That's obvious, but it's also about you being aware of your own triggers and your own, because. In that philosophy, the core of it is everything that's going wrong is your fault, <laughs> not your kid's fault, because you're the adult and you've got these layers of shit that you haven't dealt with, and some people obviously more than others. And yeah, and I yeah, I think it's pretty. It's a pretty. That's a really basic, obviously, summary of that. But I I reckon that is a fair, fairly good philosophy to go by. But the thing is, Nemi and I have the same, very similar outlook to the world. Mm. So there's very little, very little fundamentally that we disagree on in terms of the way we see the world, what we think is wrong with the world, what what we think is right with the world, and whether it's technology or whether it's you know controversial topics like vaccines or we're we're all yeah we're both genuinely on the same page without and it's not a matter of one influenced the other and really really you know push the other one to come aboard or whatever. Just very naturally, we, we are on a similar page. Would know, would have knowing more before you became a dad have helped you in any way? If someone had let's, uh, told you to listen to this podcast... Oh, yeah. ...before you had a... You, yeah. And obviously you don't know us, but... Yeah, yeah. Would you have got, would you found this kind of experience interesting to have listened to, to oh, learn yeah. stuff from? And it certainly wouldn't have turned me off becoming a parent. Yes. But uh, yeah, obviously it would have been. It would be like, oh, okay, yeah. There's a few. <laughs> there's a few. There's a few things. A few things, things uh, about, but yeah. look, I don't think it's healthy. I think it's a bit like saying, going to a psychic and they and they tell you everything that's going to happen to you in your life. I think that's not a good idea. I don't. I think you got to. You got to live it, react to it, experience. You know, experiment with it. But I think one of the the cliche that's so true is is you know that parenting's the hardest job in the world. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. It's so hard. It's a fucking... It's so complex. I was going to say, what's the hardest thing about being a dad? Well, just that if you're not careful about setting up your own personal space and your own personal time alone and or time with your partner, your quality time, then if, if you're not on top of that, and I haven't been, and... Neither of us have been as parents. I think we've both, you know, we've done, sometimes we're, we are good at that, but a lot of time we're not good at that. Then the result is 
too much of it, too much of the mode you're in as a parent is frustration. I'm not getting my own time and blah blah, and that's that's not good. You're not going to parent at your at, in your best way. There's no way because you're already coming from a bit of a resentful position. Do you what? Do you wish that you didn't become a dad? You know, I'm not trying to avoid the question, but I honestly don't have a definitive answer because I really, I can really swim both ways with that. Like, and it's, you know, it's, I, I, my kids would not want to hear that, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I could see a good life without kids. I can see it's not impossible and I, and I know people that do it and it's fine, you know. But I think it's outweighed a bit by the fact that, you know, the, the, the good stuff, knowing these little people, watching them grow. Thank God they've got senses of humour, a lot of humour. Thank God, because that's... Otherwise, my answer to your question could be different. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if I had humourless kids, I'm telling you, fuck, I'd be seriously weighing, heavily going the other direction with that question. But look, on the balance, I would say, no, I'm happy, happy I did it. I'm, I'll tell you what's interesting is that I, more than anything, I, I'm so excited about when they're going to be adults and what my relationship will be then. And that's not me, it's not me wanting to avoid this part because I'm, I'm fine about this part, you know, it's, I'm, I'm getting through it and I'm doing my best to, to make it. Maybe I'm not doing my best. There's things I've got to work on. But yeah, I'm not, I don't want this part to, to end, but I am somehow quite fascinated and excited about, you know, when they're 27 and I'm whatever and the chats we'll be having, the, 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 the things we'll be doing together, the films we'll be watching, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that because I feel like that'll be, I think, that both Nemi and I have set up a, through that attachment parenting and that aware parenting. I reckon we've set up a thing where that that when they're older, we are they are going to be very. It's going to be a very healthy relationship. Like gonna, it's going to be like real friendship, you know, where they can come to us and be very open about what's going on in their life. And I, f I feel like we've set that up, so I feel really good about that. I could be wrong. <laughs> Who knows? It could go. You never, you don't no, know. No, you don't know. We, no, yeah. Go back to your dad and he was disconnected, which is very typical of his generation mm. and his, therefore his impact. How disconnected do you think you are with your children? I think I'm more distracted than disconnected. Although they probably, it probably has the same effect. <laughs> so maybe that's just semantics, you know, maybe it is the same thing. How disconnected? Well, how does that play out though? If you, would you, does, it, does it bother you that you yeah, can tell you are it and does you know bother you're me. not present with them and when you want to be and that kind of stuff? No, it does bother me. I don't know. Look, I feel like unless I'm fooling myself, I think, I think that in any given day, there is... A fair amount of time that I am connected to them and pretty genuinely present and connected. I mean, look, I don't know, but it, yeah, it's interrupted and it's not, maybe it's not a, maybe it's not enough. It's probably not enough. 
in terms of the time of it. And that, and about, how do you work? How can you do you work on that? Can you work on that? What would it's a very male yeah, thing as well. Yeah. It's not like you're any different to a lot of men who find it uh, not easy to connect mm. and are detached, remove whatever word you'll choose to use. So you're not, it's not un- unusual, but how do you do anything to try and go, okay, I'm well, aware I of think, that, I want to try and address this. I think or, it goes back to fulfillment and stuff like that. I think if if I've got my rhythm at its optimum, you know, where I'm feeling fulfilled myself, as in terms of the work I do and the creativity and the then and then the parenting aspect I think will just benefit from that and I'll be more present and more committed. And I think my dad's a good example. It does make me realise right here, right now, that my dad was more present in that kind of ten year period where he was retired, that last ten years of his life. The unfulfilled thing had gone, it had faded. And he was more present. So that spells that out for me I've always I've never thought about it right until right now about about that lesson because in terms of the fulfillment thing I've, I've thought about it for myself because I've you know I'll analyze my own life more than more than my dad's or my relationship with my dad but now that you've got me thinking yeah I mean he's uh that's definitely a thing that matches what I'm saying like he was more available to me when he was more fulfilled. Which is funny because you think, well, he was retired, but I suppose if you were to think my fulf- my most fulfilled state to me, the optimum, when I think of it, what is it? What does it look like? Well, it looks like me being quite busy, quite productive with the, with my creative projects and with, or with client work or from the biz or... Um, or you know, time with more quality time with with Nemi. So then you'd think, obviously, well, well, you're more busy. How are you gonna have time for your kids? But I think you do. It's, it's more about the heads. The, it's actually more about the headspace you're in. It's not about how many hours in the day or where are you gonna fit it in. It's not. It's not that at all. It's just that if you've got a good balance and a good rhythm, then it's you're just managing all of it all at once. So you know, the, the time that you're bumping into your kid in the kitchen for five minutes instead of it being a frustrating thing of oh really you want me to make you some you want me to make you you want me to cut you some toast really (laughs) instead of that it's yeah no problem son here's (laughs) here's a piece of bread do you know what i mean it's completely and i totally agree with you 100 i think the fulfillment the mistake that people make is to not fully understand what you've just said. I think you've nailed it completely. The more fulfilled you are, and again, I can relate to my own experience, the more fulfilled you are, the more you're doing what is important for you because you have to feed yourself first before yeah. you feed anybody else. No, you'll be no use otherwise. It, because, and to think that's not important goes back to something that I really is very important to me because that's not something that I've done for almost all my life is loving yourself, being kind to yourself, having compassion. Whatever word you choose to use, the moment you really truly acknowledge who you are and that you're important and that to do things that are right for you as you touched on before about doing things that then that's where you come into the truest part of who you are and therefore as you just said all the people around you and all the ways that you are with them when you're around them become different because very different you're not you're not without, you're yeah. not atta- you're not attaching yourself to no, negativity and without, and without to frustration to all those negative energies which are going to be bad yeah. in your connections with people and without an effort absolutely like it's i the said to you it's like, thing in the world it's like it's not about 
oh, I've got to spend two hours quality time with my children. No, it's not about that. It's about a, a piece, a way of being, a way of thinking, a way of, um, it's the headspace that you're in, the, the mindset. So, like I said, whether it's those five minutes in the kitchen that you bumped into your kid, those five minutes are either going to be filled with resentment and frustration and not, no connection, or they're going to be a nice little interaction and see you later, I'll see you later in the day or whatever, you know. Yeah, because it, it, it's not about, as you just said, for me, it's not about the length of time no. you spend with someone, no. your child, whatever, your partner, no, whoever. No, it's the speak. quality. It's the it's what happens in that moment. It could be a few minutes. Yeah. But if the connection is absolutely yeah. just great for both people, then that can be remembered. Yeah. But as you said, the conversation you had with your dad or whatever it was, I don't know how long the conversation was, but it, it could have been a short conversation. But it's it was about, short. It was actually yeah, short. Yeah, well, it, then there we go. But it's... It's but it was powerful. Exactly, because you knew it. Was, he was speaking from his heart. It was true. It was real. And when you connect with someone on that level, it doesn't matter how long it is. It's irrelevant. Yeah. It can be one minute or it can be 10 minutes. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not As you said, it's not the length of time. No, it's no. What it's, you're, it's, it's about how, where you're at. It's ha- what you're saying and how you're saying it. Where you are. Yeah, where you're at. And so that feeds into everything. So I think you've absolutely nailed it. And I completely agree with you. It's genius genius <laughs> okay so i'm mindful of time so i could keep going and talking to you but i think there's one thing i want to, to to end with yeah which is how would you want to be remembered by your kids uh look ultimately i really hope they look back and think that that I, it was fun to be around me right now i need to do a lot more work in order for that in order for that to, to be the lasting memory but i do i do feel like it'll get more and more like that as they get older and there's less policing involved. I think I do. I didn't touch on this at all in the in the chat, but I think one of the biggest problems with parenting is that you do you are policing. You're saying no to this, no to that. You're saying yes to a few things, but you're saying no to a lot of things. And do this, do that. It's all you know the authority, the authority. You're the authority figure and all that. That's a really difficult one because I don't think anyone, unless that. There are people that do have that kind of personality where they get off on power, and but I don't. I don't. I hate that aspect of parenting, and I reckon that part of what goes wrong when, if my kids resist something, and that, and then it, that might descend into a bit of a you know a bit of a blowout, blow up. One of the reasons it descends into a blob is because I'm having a, an internal conflict of. I don't want to be this parent. I don't want to be. So I'm actually not just angry at them for saying no or whatever. I'm angry at me because I'm doing this policing and I haven't thought of a cleverer way to be to to get them to do what I want them to do other than being a policeman. So I'm ang- I'm angry at me. So there's t- you know, a few layers there of why things are going quite wrong. But just for interrupting you in that point, because it comes to me right now, and I don't know how real this is, is if you sat down with them and said to them, look, I'm tired of doing this, how could we avoid this happening in the future? Do you reckon, yes, you're one is 14 nearly and one no, is but well, We've had those chats. You have. But okay. no, we do that. And they do in the moment kind of get it. And But then I, I know it's not realistic to think... That fundamental changes will happen because. Or, or do, you, I, do you think that then going back to what you said before, that little boy of in you oh is yeah. then taking over in those moments where it could change, and that you're not even allowing them to 
to make that change because you're just reversing back to type. Partly, yeah. But also, look, I do think there's kids are kids and they're not they're just not going to evolve as quickly as you want them to and they're not going to be mature in the ways you want them to be mature. Completely so there's that. that. There's work on all fronts. But no, nah, but as the adult you've got to just accept and go, look, they're not going to do they're just no, no they're not going to remember this that they've got to do it like that in a certain way. They're not It's not realistic. The best thing about being a dad, and what's the worst thing? The worst thing you just told me the is the policing, where you feel like you're constantly, and mm. I can relate to this as well. My kids are older than yours. Mm. Uh, well, uh, two of them are. Yeah. I um, I beat myself up as much as I think I'm a great dad, and I listen. I'm very present. All of that stuff. I feel like God. I, I'm I'm telling you off. I'm telling you to put this away or to do that or to. Do, and it's like make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. How am I being seen? by my children do they see which i know i do know they do the the good bits the advice mm, the yeah. talks the chats the all that yeah, stuff which yeah. is really important versus the uh, you haven't put that away you've got to wash that up you've got to clean that you've got to do whatever it is <laughs> the details are relevant where i'd sometimes feel in my head god really are they going to remember anything other than this yeah i know I know that's not true, even no, but I'm they, saying yeah, that, but I still think that. And in a microsecond, I'd think that. i go, God, yeah. I'm just telling you off the whole time, or I'm telling you not to do or to do <laughs> yeah. or to something. Yeah. Really, is that... I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy that because it's I don't want enjoyed. to feel like I am the... Even though I am the parent, and I happily ad- adopt a lot of aspects of it, I don't want to be that... That part of me doesn't want to be doing this. That's right. Look, I think... what. what what we do as parents is that you know there's there's all the policing, but then there's often semi regularly there'll be a little family discussion about look you know we don't enjoy this we don't actually enjoy this we don't want to be police policing you just you know if only you could <laughs> react differently and we wouldn't really have to police that much like we really wouldn't it'd be quite different. but they're not capable they'll grow you know they hopefully as they grow they they will get that. But what I'm saying, the positive side of those conversations is that at least once in a while they get this injection of, uh, of oh, mum and dad are actually human beings. They're not police officers. They, well, I shouldn't say that because police, they're human. But you know what I mean? They're not just there to tell us what to do. And I think it's okay to once in a while tell them that we're, that we're you know, the vulnerability for us, you know, the that we don't like it, we're not comfortable with it. It's okay that they know that, I think. It's good that they know that. And something must be seep, seeping in there that they're like, oh, you know, it's not... In terms of their overall view, you know, of of who their parents are, like they're not... I don't think they're just thinking... Because there are other... Thankfully, there are other moments in the day where it's not policing. So somehow it feels like... It's uh, we're doing it more than we are doing it. Maybe because it's so not it's not enjoyable. No. Okay, so ending on a positive note, then yeah. what would be the best thing about being a dad? All the best things, if there isn't mm. one. I don't know. Just hugs are nice. The I love yous. The you know the tender moments. They're very special, and there's quite a lot of them with my kids, which is really nice. Being needed is nice, you know, when they're feeling a bit vulnerable or whatever, or, or even if it's just a 
they've hurt themselves physically you know it's nice when they come to you and you, you can support them and you can make them feel better and all that and I, I like those moments it's funny I used to love when Arky was sick because <laughs> he'd just lay on my chest for two days straight and it'd just be this it was it was a bonding thing even though you know it wasn't good for him because he was sick but there was a part of it I liked because I felt very uh, needed and, and I felt I was giving something and being this this safe place for him to just, you know, collapse his body onto me. So, yeah, I remember, I've got quite strong memories of that. But, yeah. That's very good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to More Real Dads. I truly hope you've enjoyed the experience and that you've learned something along the way. If you found the podcast useful, please continue to listen as I'll have more great conversations with men who openly share their experiences of fatherhood. Subscribe to avoid missing an episode and please share with anyone you know who would benefit from listening. Thank you as always for your support.